can for the last time of the Game of Thrones. What up, and welcome to another episode of Brotherhood Without Manners, your favorite full spoiler reread podcast of George R.R. R. Martin's The Song of Ice and Fire series. I'm Nate. Joining me as always, my brother, this guy over here. Concerned about your eardrums, Zach from Nate's screaming what up, but okay, what up? Heavy. So we're not rereading anything this episode. No, we have finished A Game of Thrones, and if you've been reading with us, that means you've finished A Game of Thrones, so give yourself a pat on the back, yo. It's a hefty book to make it through, and we've done it. Book one, Under the Belt, and goddamn what a book it is. What a fucking great book. So, yeah, we're kind of going to loosey-goosey this episode. Uh, I've got some bullet point notes. Nate took none. Thanks. And, yeah. Just throw me no, Oh, the yeah, bus. immediately. I have notes, maybe. I just kept them in the notebook that's but not But we just wanted to, to wrap up, talk about a Game of Thrones, and, and probably make it a little more personalized. Um, like, just starting off, you had this book kicking around the house for... A couple of years. Years! And I remember I would, and I mean, we're getting real personal. And so I had the I old, would take uh, it, I would, it was the old floppy paperback yeah, ones, big, but they the were big. big. One. Yeah, yeah, the big yeah. And I would take that a Game of Thrones into the bathroom with me, and I would always try to read it. And I would get to halfway through Brand 1's chapter, and I was like, nah. Yeah. Nah. Because my biggest thing was like the names. It was too Lord of the Rings for me, yeah. and that was always my biggest turnoff with Lord and of the so Rings. And it's so funny how... On Lord of the Rings, the names, at at the very least. Well, I mean, now it's, you know, I can spew the names Mm -hmm. of the the random fucking characters. Yeah, yeah. You know, Salador San and those type of people. Morocco, like, these people that... His dog's all Yeah, and it's it's similar to me because uh, I've tweeted about it, we've talked about it. We both loved Harry Potter growing up. We also both enjoyed a book series called Pendragon, and we can... Back in the in our prime, it might it might take a couple minutes now, but we could do the same thing with Harry Potter yeah, with Pendragon yeah, with of naming dates and facts yeah, and, just and shit. And but... so Game of Thrones obviously feels much more adult. But it's... well, that and it's a not to put down those other series in any way. It's much more expanded upon. It's a massive universe. You, There's so much. You can you get as much as you put into this book. Yeah. Like if you want to look between the lines, there's plenty to look at there. And if you just want to read it through. For the action, the battle bits, the the fun intrigue, that's there too. And so it's really how however much you want to delve in between the lines and, and look at what's... So just jumping yeah, so, in... Um, well, we had mentioned in the, the very first, way back when, the introduction episode that I had I had been gifted the book as, from a, a friend at the time who thought I might be interested in it. And that was back, you know, there was a time before there was an HBO series mm. about the book. And... It was like I was surprised how much I got into it because I'm not. I was never big into that kind of political intrigue. Yeah, that, yeah. It, you know, I preferred the fucking the high fantasy mages throwing fireballs across that the fucking orc army. You know, all that crazy stupid shit, which is still something I enjoy heavily, obviously. But um, yeah, to to find these books and then. For years, and, like, I get people not being interested at certain times. You specifically like to fucking hold out for years before you... I mean, and I've also said it for years. I wouldn't have... I wouldn't have had the appreciation that I do today if I read them then. Like, I just... I wasn't ready for these books. I wasn't ready to devolve this much time. I don't think that was the right word, but... 
uh, to devote that much time to a book series like this that, again, the more you want to look into it, and that's my favorite thing to do is to theorize, to look, read these books, think about these characters and the choices they're making, and guess what's going to happen next or what could happen next or these outcomes that may have happened if something didn't happen. And so with this, there is endless possibility yeah. to do that. We could do that with our current Well, characters. and that's what's fun We now. could do that with the past. We could do that with the future. Seeing, seeing how different it is rereading it with that analytical, because, you know, we've reread it a few times each at this point. Yeah. This isn't our first reread. But never have we gone through taking notes, mm. jotting down names, quotes, putting down dates and quotes. Yeah. And the amount of knowledge that you gain from doing it that way. Like, I thought I was pretty knowledge on Game of Thrones prior to I mean, to that's why we wanted to start it. Yeah, you know? We, we, we f- thought we had a, a general basic knowledge of where we could explain, and we have many times, both you and I individually, have gotten people into the series, either the show or the books, by explaining what they are in a way that appeals to them. Um, I know a lot of people that I've talked to and had watched the show or read the books that weren't into the high fantasy. And that was a selling point that I could use. There isn't a lot of magic. That's the whole point of it. Yeah. Yeah. The magic's very minimal. And a lot of people are like, Oh, that that's not what I'm expecting. Cause it's, you know, this sword and shields. I'm expecting a mage from a tower. Yeah, right. Throwing exactly, a fireball. Exactly. And yeah. And so there's, it's fun to see you had mentioned characters, you know, and how, you know, we know the, the main ones, the ones who have point of view chapters and even the ones that are major characters besides our point of view characters, you know, those, those Theons and the, the Jane pools and the fucking, all those, you know, pretty big major side characters. Yeah. Um, but when you're really looking into it, you start seeing like Stevron Frey, Sir Mayo, these people. Doing. You're hearing these rumors through all these. You know, there's so much more detail on specific characters that you're like, I never even knew this guy's fucking name. Mm. But here he is being referenced here and here. And even in, you know, it's a pretty easy one to pull out now. And so it's a good example is um, Beric Dondarrion. Yeah. Where, you know, it, upon your first reading, you're hearing about this this guy seven different times by eight different titles and not realizing it's all the same dude. But yeah. when you go back and see these names, you're like, holy shit, like... Rob's referencing him. Yeah, yeah. Cat's referencing. We get his Tywin yeah. throughout the whole book. Where he's of going, where he is, and been, yeah. where he's been, and yeah. what he's been and, doing. And that's and... you totally. That's lost in translation on your first read through because you're so devoted to this Stark family, this seemingly the heroes of the book against these evil Lannisters, and then you know your feelings start to change about the Lannisters. Where yeah, there's some good and there's some bad, but you know for the most part. I don't just wish death upon them just as a, right. a, a solution. Like, that, these are interesting characters. Like, and you want to find what their their motives are and what is causing, and you know. And so I, just in some of my, my noting here, um, I mentioned, uh, I noted that we the, the title is always important. So in A Song of Ice and, and Fire series, we start with The Game of Thrones, which I think is one of the most telling things about the book. We're getting... And, and, and George is brilliant in it. and it, it's, it's the first book in a series so it should but we're getting the establishing foundation of the past of Robert's Rebellion of yeah. the Targaryens and their usurpation from the throne the 
treasons and betrayals and tensions between the different houses of the realms, the lore of the old gods and the seven gods and the children of the forest and the wall. We're getting the foundation of all that's come before so that we as readers now can start to build on that platform. Well, see, I, I think it's super cool because that's a, it, the way he's doing it. Like you said, he's building this all up. He's giving us that foundation really so that now he can come in and just flip it upside down. Well, that's like, it. Now I'm going to pull this aside and now I'm going to twist this. He makes now us he... think that it is uh, the, this series will be about the Game of Thrones. It, it's about who ends up on the Iron Throne. When that, we know, really isn't the case. It's mentioned a few times in this book itself. Who, is it really mad? When the dead start to walk, does it really matter who sits the Iron Throne? Right. And so this book really is about the politics. This house gets along with this house because of these reasons. This house is against the kingdom and against the king for these reasons. It is this political. Yeah, well, and that's it. But There's to give that. us that foundation. Now you know why to these crumble people, it all. Exactly. Because now going into Clash, it's going to be you understand why these, these kings, relationships why are, these guys yeah. are here, why they're moving here. And so that, because it's going to give that twist, we may, we'll stick with that topic of titles, Clash of Kings being yeah. next. We, he built that foundation in this world for us now. We understand, you know. In a broad sense, how the world works. Yeah, we don't understand everything that Varys yeah, is yeah. doing. We don't understand what Littlefinger's got Or the planned. Children of the Forest, children, yeah. that stuff. But we yeah. know that, you know, the North worship Children of the Forest gods, these old gods. Yep. We know that, you know, we, we don't even know much about the Iron Islands at this point. Yeah, no. You know, and so there's all these other parts of the world that we don't know, but he's built up, you know why the Lannisters are, or how they're going to react. You get what they're moving towards, how they should respond. And he, he emphasized that whole thing with the the Ned chapter by killing Ned off because he was like I've built this world now let me show you how it really works mm. by killing Ned now he, we see oh this isn't the this Game of Thrones isn't what we thought yeah no like, yeah. this is a much and more... he even does that with Danny across the narrow sea where a lot of her choices mm-hmm. and motivations are to get on the Iron Throne again and so he really does good at making this first book about the Iron Throne but that's not what the story is in any capacity. It's... So I've never thought about it this way, but we, we've mentioned a lot throughout this reread about how, you know, in the future, Danny's chapters are going to kind of peter off for our interest, you know, or they have in the past. Yeah. Um, the next book is called Clash of Kings. And so it kind of makes sense that Danny's just kind of off doing yeah. her. Well, I was actually, when you just mentioned Clash of Kings before now, um, I was thinking that it's interesting because we end book one with what? King Joffrey, King Rob, King Renly. Right. So we don't have the Two war the we other. of the five kings. As we know, it becomes the war of the five kings. But So you go into this book thinking, oh, the clash of kings is between Joffrey, Rob, Robin. and Renly. Right. But then we get Stannis crowd and Balon crowned yeah. all in this next book. And so it becomes this war of the five kings. And that's just – it's brilliant because it's George basically – you go into the next book and you read the title Clash Kings and you think you have all the info. Okay, it's going to be Rob versus Joffrey versus Renly. Like, cool. Triple threat. I'm down. And then in the book we learn, oh, no, Stannis. Right, right, off, the the front, bat, right yeah. off the bat, Stannis is another contender. And then later on, Balon Greyjoy now wants to pull his shit again. And so what the knowledge we think we know coming out of book one gets heavily fucking skewed in book two. And it's just brilliant, which leads me into point two book one starts with prologue brand book two goes Ari, uh prologue aria and so 
two books starting with two very young Stark children. Yeah, yeah. And do you think there's any significance to that? Or I think a part of it is is Martin saying these are two very important characters. You know, obviously, I think that's yeah. supposed to be said. Um, but again, I think you mentioned it in that very first brand chapter that he wants to he wants to show the world. You know, he he's a, you need to see certain things right now. I want them to come from a specific point so of view. So that's where my thinking went. So next, I would f- just reasonably follow that. So he wants us to see post Ned world through Arya's eyes first. Yeah, which is so interesting to me. Going into Clash of Kings. She is essentially at this point, besides, I mean, I don't want to say the most cut off, but she's in sort of the most precarious situation She's the only one that can show us what she shows us, obviously. The the countryside. The countryside. And even even before a little later, she starts pretty, you know, there's certain things right outside of King's Landing. That's it, yeah, the the war prep. You know, Sansa's inside. We're seeing what's happening outside through her eyes. And again... You know, Martin could have very well been like, you know what, I'm going to give Yorin a fucking point of view chapter. Yeah. But he wants it from that children's point of view. There's different ideas and thoughts that they're going to put into the world, misinformation even, that will benefit his storytelling. It's it's so good. Uh, So as uh, our little French fry Julian pointed out, the Starks are pretty clearly painted as the heroes throughout the book, but we learn... That so, and it's it's set up as Starks versus Lannisters. So essentially, it be, it begins as good guys versus bad guys. You're eight chapters in, yeah. and you're pretty sure that yeah, the Lannisters are the ones we're supposed to fucking hate. Maybe the little dwarf is cool because he's funny. Can I but... think? I just want to point out that I think it's funny. We that's our perception, and yet this whole time, Danny's off on the side, like. Be, we were rooting for her. like she's yeah, this, yeah. she's the good guy but too. we don't count her but we in never with what's yeah, happening. she's never and yeah. she, you don't look at her as part of the good guys or bad guys technically you see her as this oh that poor girl oh she's she's good because she's this poor young girl but I, I think it's great because the Starks and the Lannisters are just mirrors of each other where the Starks we get their best traits first and then we start to see how blatantly flawed everyone in this family yeah. is they all have something bad about their personality. Bran is a stubborn little child to a fault. He thinks he's a little smarter than he is and has Well that's a, they all have the, that ego. That yeah, cocky that confidence. Ego. Uh Sansa has her sort of fantasies and mm-hmm. not living yep. in the real world. Arya has her temper in that that Stark Lyanna click quick flare temper. Yeah, it's something to be proud of in the North. That's a flaw. You know, you can't control your tongue. You can't keep your emotions in check. And I think part of that helps uh George to lead us to believe they're heroes because even like rob it's hard to find more of his well that's that's the point i'm getting to is that we see their best sides first and then we learn that the lannisters we see the worst of them first right and then we, then get, we get later and on so it by i mean by the end of well, book one even in this book we see why some of cersei's motivation absolutely my children cersei my... isn't just a monster in this or and tywin which is where where julian called me out on saying that yeah, tywin yeah. was pure evil no one on either side is pure good or pure evil the star catelyn is just as capable of violence as tywin lannister or cersei lannister is i bumped the table you for the last episode yeah you may as well and so it's i just love the way yeah it starts the book 
Starks are heroes. And by the end of the book, you're like, there really are no fucking heroes or good guys or bad guys. Granted, going through with a reread also helps knowing, you know, Ned's secrets and how much, because again, all that isn't obvious. The first reread, you don't realize that Ned's got these secrets That's and has yeah. held this stuff. But seeing this time, it's like you're no better in certain ways. I mean, again, they they all have their flaws, and yeah. like you said, I've never realized that either. That throughout the whole beginning and middle and towards even now, again, Rob still it's going to take another couple books to really show his naivety. Yeah, and, he breaks an oath flaw, and all that kind of stuff, but. Then at the end, Cersei, we start seeing their motivations. Mm-hmm. And, like, it's funny with the Jamie thing early on when he attacked Ned. Yeah. You just see it as this arrogant fucking punk no, ass. No, he was defending his little brother. It's like, his brother's honor. Yeah. Like, and, yeah, he was arrogant about yeah, it. Yeah, but absolutely. Jon Snow and Rob are both arrogant. Jon Snow would have done almost, or Rob would have done the tried. exact same right. thing if yeah. Rob, some, one John of them was, was taken and John was going to, yeah. you know, leave the wall yeah, no, for Rob. It's, for, it's like, fucking great. It's brilliant. And yet we are, unless you've Reread them. You th- Lannister's bad. Mm-hmm. No. Oh, and then they killed fucking Ned. Ned. Yeah. Cersei wanted to send him to the wall. Yeah. She yeah. knew that no, because no of honorable true Ned. Lannister believes that was a good idea. Right. Not not Tywin, Tywin Tyrion, Tyrion right. Cersei. No one is like. And that's yes. what's funny. E- even Cersei knows that Ned was honorable enough that if he came out and made these oaths, he would not say anything. He would have gone to the wall, kept his mouth fucking shut, and served up there honorably. Probably ended up Lord Commander, yeah. but not that's allowed it. to do anything. And he he wouldn't because he's bound by the laws that he as and he would of the sit North there and has. brood for the rest yeah, of his life. And but Joffrey, Joffrey made his and so that actually bringing up Ned and Joffrey and everything that got me to the theme of choice is just the largest fucking yeah, thing yeah. that exists and making choices. And I actually have a quote here that says, "So you see, John, I do know, and knowing, I will not tell you stay or go. You must make that choice and live with it." All the rest of your days, as I have. And that's Mr. Amen from John A. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's that kind of chalks this book up because these Absolutely. choices, Ned Stark's choices, are still affecting the world around the, yeah, him. Yeah, with Lyanna and, Liana and, and all yeah. the... Jamie Lannister's choices overthrew a monarch. He killed a king and allowed for the sack of King's Landing to successfully... Yeah, not to mention the smaller things that have happened in this book that'll have major... Assaulting Ned Stark in the streets. Leaving Jamie, his leaving uh, the city. army at Riverrun yeah. to go and attack the, the brigands that were a trap Robert for him. Baratheon chose Lyanna over Cersei. Right to his death day, and that seeped into their marriage. And, and of course, Lyanna chose Rhaegar over Robert. Catelyn Baratheon. chose to seize Tyrion at the end of the yeah. Crossroads, yep. kicking everything off. Tywin chose to sack King's Landing, betraying his king and killing the former Targaryen, uh, the Targaryen babes, killing or not killing, as we know Learned is an issue yeah. of whether or not that actually happened. Danny chose to let Mary Masdor help heal it's all these choices that people are making and that like brought me back to the 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 past of ned stark's choices are still like that's what this story is being built on is robert's rebellion and what occurred in that time yeah well that's what's funny is that we're getting this middle point where he's laying the foundation by telling this story, but there's so much vagueness so this, to the past. And that's what I love. This is not Ned Stark's story. Right. It never was. Ned Stark's story was the Tower of Joy, was him bringing John to Winterfell, and, and that's it, da- taking this lie to his grave. That right. was Ned Stark's story. And so 
he tricks us into thinking Ned Stark is going to be our protagonist. Mm-hmm. And Weirdly, no, it's, I've, I've, it's, it's more of a uh, Ned is Mufasa and John is Simba. Yeah. And they, they, they started out where it's earlier on than you would normally expect that that pull. Mm-hmm. You you don't expect them to, you know, throw the the death too soon. And so he happens we get so attached to Ned over this book that when it happens it's like you mother yeah. what? It was never his story though. We no, were just yeah. learning the world through cuz he had information we needed from Ned, from Ned specifically. Yeah. What what was affecting him, the choices he made. And so I think it, I thought it was interesting that you know, he's it's the first book he's got to establish the world yet. We're getting the gods and the religion established at the same time as we're getting the yeah. different militaries and armies. And we're about to have a whole new one just fucking, and like they were there, they were hinted at and mentioned and sometimes seen even. And I, I just think it's this, I mean, military and religion and that sort of stuff has been a story told throughout all humankind. Right. So I think that that's just a clever, George's clever nod that, yeah, it occurs in this world as well. That and he's known to be a huge history buff. And so any, you know, kind of references to, because that's essentially what every major war is over is religion and shit like that yeah. anyway. And so to have that being set up and it honestly it makes me wonder if there's not going to be much more religious involvement. I know we get like the faith militant and like we do get, you know, Me- uh, Melisandre from you're tripping me out. Dog. <laughs> I was just trying shit. to look at the time. Oh, okay. You're like leaning into the mic. He's being weird fellas. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we get like Melisandre, we get these uh, religions, but I'm wondering if there's not, you know, similar to the the Faceless Men, where there's we're going to get these factions that are opposing each other. Mm. The Red Priests are actually opposing the Faceless Men, are opposing the... Yeah, because we get, you know, did get tendrils of Rolor, but not a real nothing explanation big, yeah. on him. Uh, Danny chapters, next. we saw some in yeah. the... Uh, in Vos... Vestothrak. Yeah. Right. But yeah, and that's... Man, the prologue is going to be one hell of a So, chapter. yeah, just to touch on the gods, we we get the old gods, the northern gods, the Stark gods. We their... probably get the most, and technically might even be the most misinformation. Yeah. Because there's so many stories With and their tales. werewood trees, their gods' woods, and the children of the forest obviously being prevalent. They're somehow connected and tied into the wall's magic. As yeah, which then leads Gior to... Mormont says... All sorts of, you know, fucking giants. Blood of the first men, all yeah. All that stuff. And you so know, there's the... some trippy shit there. And then we get the seven, which are the newer... Southern. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They are probably the most. They feel more modern. They're the most comparable, I was going to say, to like a Christian. Yeah. Uh, they, modern day they Christian. They feel very or, modernized um, to me. They've got and, the seven gods, yeah. uh, all representing different, you know, the mother, the warrior, the smith, all those things. And types. so I, I, I met, noted down the different gods because I just. Ned Stark was a believer of the old gods, and he got his head cut off at. The, one of the most holy sites of the yeah, seven. Yeah. Like, and it's just that, like... See, that's that opposing... Th- like, it's that duality it, It's almost like he's subtly trying to force us into that. You should be recognizing that these are going to start opposing. Yeah, each other. they're two opposing forces here. The the old beliefs and the new beliefs, the old way and the new way. And we also got that a bit with the learning of, you know, the children the history of the children when they when the men first men were coming up, the Andals were coming up and chopping down the werewoods and Well, that's what it feels like to me. Is they're saying Ned Stark worshiped the old gods. His way was a simpler way where honor meant something, where you know, looking a man in the eye, shaking his hand, and giving your word was all that was needed to forge a trust yeah, and a bond. Yeah. 
with the seven in this new modern way of thinking, that's not at all how it goes. Yeah, a lie's a lie. You, a it lie, doesn't matter. Yeah, like you and and I think it's just that it's the new way versus the old way. Ned Stark's way does not work. We <laughs> okay, <learned> boomer. <laughs> <laughs> we we learned that Ned Stark's boomer way doesn't work. <laughs> millennial Joffrey ain't having none of that. Yeah, and so no, it, I I think that's meant to be the the image here with Ned Stark getting his head cut off at the statue of Baylor on the saps yeah, of the yeah. the fucking. It, it's just an intense tense uh tense image. It's but, wild ride. So then. Each character also tends to have a different mantra that is important to yeah. them. So we've got Arya, who has fear cuts deeper than swords. Yeah, and so she's got like is a deer. Yeah, she's got about a million of them because of Serio Pharrell. Danny but she has, some has if I look back, I am lost. Yeah. Yep. Eddard has promised me Ned. Promise me Ned. Sansa, a lady never or a lady always remembers her courtesies. Tyrion has a Lannister pays his debts, but I also noted that Tyrion, well, says that a lot in this book. He tends to change his mantras a lot because he ends yeah. up with where do the whores go after his family is completely. Yeah, I mean, they all are going to start changing their mantras a bit. Arya keeps fear because she's I mean, swords she'll, for a she'll while. Keep a couple of them too, and I'm get pretty some others, sure. But... Dan, I mean, Ned Stark's dad, so promise me, Ned lasted That's for that. <laughs> about sixteen um, years. But yeah, I would say that Tyrion definitely, especially when he finally makes that turn, when he makes that villainous almost well because we see how depressed and fucked he gets and after he kills his father um but so i guess that it's it makes sense i just think it's interesting that they all have these these things that they cling to they hold on to and mainly the two point of views that don't are both bran and catelyn bran i believe because three-eyed raven shit he's so far removed that the closest i could get is you know put that away you don't need that for him but he's just so yeah, about to become not Bran. Yeah, that. there's and then Catelyn. I think it's mainly because she's essentially Stoneheart. She's do you slowly... think that maybe that's the reason that he's susceptible to lose? If maybe if he had because all the mantras, in some way, kind of tie them to a relationship, to a person, uh-huh. to people, um, in in one way or another. Oh no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas Cat and Bran don't have that, so they're disassociating themselves. So almost like. Well, of course they would be. He yeah, would become course, this Kat emotionless Stoneheart, Stoneheart and, and Bran becomes yeah. a three-eyed raven. Yeah, maybe. Maybe that is and, it. They and, don't yeah, have these. They didn't tie themselves. You know, I mean, tenants. obviously, like, I don't want to say that they didn't care for their families. Obviously, that's Kat's driving force. It's that she lost sight of certain yeah, things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. I just thought it was interesting yeah, that yeah. there's some people, most of the characters have something that they repeat to themselves. Well, it's, we'll but... even see that repeated, too, in the future. When mm-hmm. Theon gets how many different, you know. Yeah, must remember my name. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, magic. Magic back, motherfucker. With the comet. The comet brought magic yeah, back. Yeah, yeah. We um, think, maybe. Who knows? Like, do you, is that what you is think? Is it just a preordained time in the world's history? Is it. It's speculation. Is it the dragons themselves? Did Danny um, cast a spell and bring the dragons back, and the dragons being birthed brought the magic back? I don't fucking know. I hit the table again. I guess I'm just going extra for this episode. Do you have any? I don't know because it theories. To me, it seems like magic's already been up and moving. It doesn't seem like it just got birthed in Danny Ten. So like. I could almost see it being the comet, where like maybe it's swinging it's, down from the I north agree. first mm-hmm. and hit the yeah the heart of winter. Well, that's what I was gonna say because notice the the heart the whites have been active, more active. Yeah, than yeah, we've seen more them. active than and normal. And so clearly, it, 
there's something that spawned that. The North has been the first place where there's been magical activity. And then it's being seen throughout other places, and we haven't seen much other magic besides that stuff. Well, what's Um, super interesting is it goes... You know, we we get the, the the whites movement, and then we get Bran noticing it first right. in the north. Right. So is it finally passing down from the wall, or right. Winterfell, and and then I, it goes over to Danny. I also is that a part of the reason that the green dreams are are so prominent? Because Arya is gonna has, get it more often. Yeah. You know, like she, we've had hints that she's had a few here. Yeah, and yeah. Um, and Bran obviously, but Jon Snow as well. Like. Is that because of this magic? Yeah, yeah. Thing? And so I, th- I agree. I think it might have something to do with that comet re-sparking something, or and maybe it's gonna circle the planet for yeah, a bit, yeah. and then it leaves, and then magic goes away again. So or... I also think it's interesting that yeah. So essentially, at the end of the book one, and it's unless you've really read through, you're not really picking up that like magic is being reborn because they haven't really mentioned that it. Lewin went on a little bit about it, but like, and we got the ramblings that, of a little girl that magic but... has died from the world. But I think it's interesting that we 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 as a collective, I'm saying, of a fan basis, assume magic comes back at the end of this book and or was building, and the prologue of the next book, we get Melisandre a conduit of sorts of yeah. this magic. And so I immediately couldn't help myself, but if you've ever watched Lost, yeah. in season four, the freighter folk get introduced, and there's a man by the name of Mr. Daniel Faraday who Faraday! comes to the island. And the writers of Lost, I'm a super Lost nerd, so I've watched all the interviews and such, the writers and creators of Lost have said that they started getting into some crazy physics stuff, so they needed Daniel Faraday on the island to explain it to the audience in a way that we could understand. Is that what Melisandre is for the magic? Is she's this lens through which we can view it that we can start to comprehend it? Because yeah, I mean, she that makes is sense. the first character, recurring major character that we get that, that utilizes magic, claims use magic. To, yeah, and yeah. birds a fucking shadow demon out of her vajayjay. Like valid point. Yeah, like there, she she's legit. She does say it's a lot of powders and potions and fuck you. But there's bullshit, some real stuff. But too. she glamours and again, Mance I was Raider, say, like, and again, eventually we'll start getting the glamour so and seeing I, like, those types I just of things. couldn't help but make the comparison of that. Like maybe like this that. is the mouthpiece Martin wanted to use for magic in the world. World, as far as the red priests and what they can do, and so that I, I guess that's just me thinking I'm smart. no, I, I like that. So, yeah, in the next book, we get some interesting characters. We get Stannis, one Stannis. of my all time favorite characters. We get one of my all time favorite characters, Sir Davos the Onion Knight. Seaworth, yes, we get Melisandra herself, of course, who I love. I can't help but love her because she's so interesting yeah. and intriguing. So, to can me. I point out that this is all in. Just the very first prologue. Well, chapter. we do get Davos chapters in the yeah. next book as well, and then we get Shireen. Shireen in the prologue. We, we get, get Patchface, Patch mm-hmm. and we get Theon chapters in the next book as well. Yeah, and so, like, goddamn. God damn. He... This book expands. It gets so much bigger just because And of... in case that ain't enough, we got Blackwater motherfucking Black... coming up. Oh, it's, uh, I, I love Tyrion and King's Landing. I love Tyrion and Kings. Um, and all because that's, you know, we got to have some fun and see Ned there, and what he's doing and Tyrion sending. Knows and he would city. like send out. Uh, what's his name? He's dead now. Jory. Jory. Uh, you know, but that's about the extent of. The, wow, gone but not fucking uh, forgotten, know, huh? Fucking Jory Jesus, Cassell. never Bye-bye. forget. Um, 
he would just so there was no not we didn't get to see anything. The, the closest we got to see to some of the the cool intrigue in King's Landing was Catelyn uh-huh. when he was being escorted there. And so when Tyrion shows up and just starts Tyrion laying loves down, to play. Yeah, he play, and he knows how to play. And he plays well. And he's yeah. he's a top tier player with those other guys, and it's just so interesting it's to so watch good, and yeah. fun to see. And God, I'm so excited. Yeah, it's good shit. And then just. It's the, the the War of the Five Kings. Renly becomes more prominent. We get to meet it's gonna be cool. Marjorie Tyrell. Would who you is, like a peach? I love. I, I don't want a peach. Would you eat a peach to your brother? I'm gonna offer you a fucking peach. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. And then you're gonna take it to your fucking grave. So wondering. not to be too closely related to Renly, but I like a good peach. So you can fuck off. Whatever. I also love Marjorie Tyrell. Oh uh, yeah, who doesn't? Um, Brienne way of more Tarth. than you do. Brienne is way more dude. than I do. I will fucking you in the throat, <laughs> I motherfucker. I snuck it in. No, Marjorie so, Tyrell is like the one in my heart. I <laughs> Natalie Dormer nailed her in the show. I was super upset, fucking Cersei. But book Marjorie is just something else. So don't you dare! Don't um, you dare! I. I've never been in the past until my last reread. In the past, I was never a big fan of Brienne. Yeah, didn't care for her. And then last reread, I just granted it helped that I read found Duncan my Egg. Uh, well Duncan Egg helped obviously, <laughs> but she that I also realized in my last reread that my favorite character in all of Game of Thrones, A Song of Ice and Fire, is in her chapters there with yeah. Sir Creighton Longbow, and he fucking cracks me up because he's the biggest cunt on the planet. But it got me paying attention to her chapters anyway, but I, I fell in love with Brienne. Yeah, I, I didn't like Brienne my first read-through either. But. I'm really excited to get to some of her chapters, and even her mentioning, her just appearing, mm-hmm. to be able to take some notes. And hopefully we'll get some uh, Dunkin' Egg stuff out before her chapters yeah, actually I don't, start. Yeah, I think her chapters pick up in uh, uh, Storm Yeah, I think yeah, so. so. And so I hopefully we'll get to that, just because I think it'd be fun to have yeah. that in the Yeah, yeah, in definitely the plan on doing Duncan Egg. Uh, so do you have a whole book inductee for A Game of Thrones? Yeah, but you you wanted to elaborate pretty heavily right, on yeah, yours. Yeah, I, I, I kind of went into it for this one. So my inductee for the whole book in, a, in George R. R. Martin's A Song of Ice and Fire series, A Game of Thrones, my inductee for the book is Robert Baratheon. Oh, my. Yeah. For showing a truly unhappy man and how destructive that that can be to all those around, especially for a king. He longs for and often lives in the past, in the prime of his youth, even though he now embodies the exact opposite of what he was back then. And there's a quote from Ned, I must go to Robert and pray he is the man I think he is, and not the man I fear he has become. Robert is not a good person. He is a shell, and he paints the picture of what happens when we continue, continuously are willing to compromise our morals in search of uh, instant gratification. He longed for a woman who, by all intents and purposes, may have been revolted by him, and it seeped into all he did, poisoning his rule, crippling the realm, neglecting his wife and children, and his kingly duties. He fixated and obsessed on this time in his life, and thus, I think, shows the destruction of not being able to let go. And so, Robert, I think, for showing us what we need to know about Robert's Rebellion, that it was all just yeah, shit. Cool. Yeah. I like it. 
Yours? So mine's going to be kind of on a similar note there, um, but almost the it's only going to work f- upon a reread this way. And so mine's going to go to Littlefinger. Ooh. And it's because of the fact that of all the books so far, well, of all the books so far, the first one, <laughs> it, he had such a major impact throughout the entire book. And if you haven't reread it, you don't know. You that. have no idea. Yeah. Because without him, the letter from Lysa would never would have been sent to Cat. The you know he's John he's, Aaron wouldn't have died. John Aaron wouldn't have died. All these little things that you know we assume are the Lannisters. Even now, like we're under the impression, you know, technically we could probably put the pieces together. Yeah. If it was a fir- but we don't. And he's done all that. He's shifted. He fucked Ned. Like we that was a oh, oh shit oh, man and. God, I hate you. <laughs> Damn. Um, those those red cells, well, man. Well, I mean, he basically bent him over. Yeah, and no, yeah, took yeah. Him from behind. But, you know, we, that was a shock the first time I read it. Holy shit. I thought Littlefinger was helping us. Like, yeah, he was a skeevy you know, dude, but, like, yeah. I told you not to trust me. You motherfucker. Littlefinger like, is playing the game from the second we meet him. And, and we have yeah, no idea. And we just don't. And so I think, not to mention what he's going to be pulling off in the future, because this is an inductee for just the first book, but I think that. Without Littlefinger, I mean, granted, obviously, Martin's an author. He could probably figure shit out. But Littlefinger spurned on a majority of the events mm-hmm. that happened here from the very get-go. Yeah. Like, I, and even still, I mean, I should be giving it to fucking the North and the White Walker War because even with all that occurring, the very first things that we get actually are oh, the, war, yeah. the, 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 White the White Walkers and then yeah. the beheading um, – so yeah, Littlefinger, that kind of makes me want to spurn off on a quick tangent, though, that both prologues are very magic-heavy, mm-hmm. very based in magic. We yeah. get the White Walkers, and then we'll get Melisandre and all her shenanigans. It's back. So that's cool. But yeah, so I'm going to go with Littlefinger um, just for that reason. He just, he's just he been so prominent without actually being there at all. Sweet. Well, those are our final inductees for the, the, the whole book, and we did get a write-in from our friend in France, Julian. And he says, you asked for our opinion on the whole book, inductee, and that is pretty hard. Is it possible to name three? We'll allow it. So he says, one, the obvious one. Please, Eddard, join us in the Brotherhood for being the honorable and precious fool we loved for a dozen chapters. You're going to be missed. So awesome one, but he has to have a room down at the other end because he's going to (laughs) stink. The serious one, number two, I would like to induct Littlefinger. Because heck, he's the reason the intrigue got us this first in uh, got us in this first book, and as I don't want Lysa at least twenty five uh, fifteen miles from me at all times, <laughs> he's my chosen one. Whole story in mind, he's still the one character to switch sides unexpectedly and betray our main favorite character. He's central, even though we don't witness that much of him for now. And three, the mysterious one. Chose it already once, but I seriously want to know the deal about Mormont's crow. So I want to induct him, get him drunk, 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 so I can figure out by extorting essential ans- answers from its drunken beak. Go Clash, and thank you for this awesome season of podcasts. Thank you for also reading all my thoughts and opinions and reacting on it. I feel flattered and hope my French TV Game of Thrones guy opinion brings a little bit of perspective to your work. Fowler to Harris, peace. Peace.
Yeah, uh, great inductees, the three. I like the second one the best. I like the more outspread one. No, that's good. Too. Um, yeah, just... And thank you for listening. Thank you for writing in, Julian. We appreciate it. We um, look forward to all your Clash stuff. You've already gotten us one yeah. uh, from a few a while back that um, I've got sitting. And you had asked, we are going to be numbering, starting the numbering over. So Clash is, uh, it goes prologue, and then it will be Aria, and that will be Aria 1 of A Clash of Kings. That's how we're going to be doing our keeping track for the Just for book. our own sanity, it's just going to prevent us from being at crazy numbers but uh yeah holy shit we finished a book on a podcast which we really never expected to do and people wrote in and wanted to talk to us so that's really fucking cool and we, we appreciate, appreciate the shit out of it and as we've said before we're going to be taking a little bit of a break while we get a couple clash of kings chapters prepared and noted yeah. and recorded get some patreon stuff get some Patri- patreon stuff out and then we will be back so it'll only be two weeks from the time this episode airs when this episode airs it might be like 17 days but it's between two weeks and no more than three weeks bam will not hit that far that and so yeah if you you can still write in though we're still checking all the socials and the emails and everything like that we'll still be active on our socials and everything while we're getting our notes in order we essentially just want to try to get a little bit of head that way in case life happens nate does have two young toddler children yeah and so if for some reason we can't record we don't have to miss a week so if you've listened from day one fucking thank you for dealing with us if you've joined us along the way thank you you're fucking awesome tell your friends tell your friends write in if you want we can always again take your messages so you can get us on our email without manners brotherhood at gmail.com uh we're on instagram at manners without nate's on twitter at manners without carstock 92 for me that's zach's we uh have our patreon as we mentioned patreon.com slash manners without we've got some sample chapters up there now we are again planning to get the bearist and sell me one out very very soon so thank you to everyone that subscribes to our patreon um facebook.com slash brotherhood podcast we're always just kind of throwing up some random trash posts up there that's always fun and then news of game of thrones whether it be book or george martin cool stuff so follow us we've got a reddit like it's it's popping i think that's what the the cool kids are saying right and that's it motherfucker that's season one season one season one motherfucker what done uh yeah join us for season two clash kings the second book in George R. R. Martin's A Song of Ice and Fire series, continuing with A Clash of Kings. Valor to Harris! Peace!